Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready today, we are in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. The title of this sermon is, Be Angry and Do Not Sin. Here is the first half of this two-part teaching. Be angry and do not sin. We'll look at it in three parts. When anger becomes sin, in verse 26. When anger meets wrath, uh, in the second half of verse 26. And then finally, when anger gives place to the devil. When anger gives place to the devil. So last week and over the last couple weeks, we've been looking at what Paul has asked us to do, which is to put off the old and put on the new. And when we look at these things, we have to remember that Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus. He was speaking to the Gentiles. He was speaking to the Jews that were coming to faith. And, and what he was trying to get them to understand is that the old way that you were, the Gentiles following the false gods of the world and the, the Jews who wanted to bring in legalism into and the law of, of um, the Jewish law into uh, our, uh, the following Christ. And he's like, all those things you need to put off. That's the old. And you need to put on Christ. That's what we are to put on. Last week we looked at the sin of lying. And, and what we were to put on is to speak truth. That we are to speak truth. To speak truth in love. And that's going to continue as we talk about anger today. We have to talk about when we speak up and speak out in truth. We'll look and see that there's two types of anger. And all of us are very familiar with the anger that Jesus had. And we all know he had righteous anger. And so I'm not diving into that today. What we're going to do is we know that Jesus was empowered and was the, the example that we're supposed to be. We know that as he overturned the tables and drove out the people from the temple, why did he do it? Because he was angry. It was a place of worship. They made him into a, a den of thieves. They made it into a place where they were selling goods. They were blocking people from coming into worship, the temple. And in anger, Jesus, and he flipped the tables. And there are probably things that, that we would love to flip the tables over, but sadly, what we deal with most of the time is unrighteous anger. That's self-centered, led by the flesh. See, righteous anger is actually something that is actually, when, when you can be, and people will say, well, you, you can't be angry. No, that's not what we're going to look at when the Scripture is what we see. We see that it says, be angry. Right? Makes you look at the scripture a whole lot different, right? 
You're allowed to be angry? Wait a minute, I can be angry? No, you are to be angry about the things that God's angry about. That God hates sin, right? And so we are to be angry about, about sin, about the things that God hates. Court, can you do me a favor and close, or, or Reuben, close those doors for me, please? Thank you. And so when we see that, when we think about unrighteous anger, we're dealing with self-centeredness. We're dealing with the flesh. And unfortunately, when, when we have unrighteous anger and we're allowed to just continue to have it, what happens is it turns into uh, a shotgun blast. It turns into wrath. And people will say, I'm allowed to be angry. I've been hurt. I'm allowed to be upset. Right? Have you had anybody tell you this? You've probably seen, uh, you know, videos of people screaming online as they're upset about something. But those are unbelievers. Paul was talking to the church. Paul was talking to those who are following Christ. And Paul is saying, like, look, you cannot allow your unrighteous anger to turn into wrath because it's a shotgun blast. And a shotgun blast does many things like what? It creates a lot of damage. It creates a lot of carnage. And there's an aftermath of hurt beyond it. And so we need to deal with that. And that's what Paul is talking about today is like, do you... How do we deal with our anger? How do we deal with our anger? How do, we, how do we handle our anger? Do we go to God with our anger? What do we do with it? And, and the other thing is, is this verse is probably one of the most misused verses for marriage. How many of you have been told, don't let the sun go down on your anger? You're married, right? That's not what this verse is for. You can't resolve every problem in a 24-hour period. And we'll talk about that. I just want to make sure you understand that. Some things you will be able to solve, resolve. Look, I can, I can set aside my anger. I love you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. We've been together for 30-something years. Right? But if my wife is hurt, do you think she can resolve it within the 12 hours or, before, or 3 hours before we go to bed? That's not always the case. But we'll have this verse thrown out all the time on marriages. It's not what the verse is for. It gets misused a lot. And so we'll look at all of that. So let's look at the first point. When anger becomes sin. When anger becomes sin. Be angry and do not sin. Now Paul writes here, be angry. And he's telling you to continually be angry. Well, wait a minute. That's, what, are you, what are we talking about, right? I'm allowed to be angry? Now, a lot of people would be like, all right, cool. I can be angry. I did that for 22 years of our marriage. Verbally abusive, angry all the time. My wife didn't know what she was getting at each day. She was walking around on minefields with my emotions and feelings for 22 years. And so, no, you can't be continually angry, but you are to be continually angry about the things that God's angry about. That's what he's talking about. And he's also talking about you are to be continually angry dealing with your own sin. God creates uh, the ability to be angry and it's motivated by godly actions. It's supposed to be. But unfortunately, our flesh gets in the way. We are to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And, and Paul simply takes Psalm 4.4 when he writes this. So he's taking us back to the Old Testament. He goes back to Psalm 4.4. And it says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate with your heart on your bed and be still. 
Some of you, when you, you're angry, you need, to, you need to get with God and be still. But what do we normally do? We go from person to person to person to person. And God's telling you, like, just be still. Because I need to speak to you in that stillness. But we don't want to do that. And that's the thing with, with, with anger. When we think about it, it's easy for us to point out somebody else's sin, right? And we can be angry about the things that God's angry about, but we can be in sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 5-7, through 7, it says, Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did, the, did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. David had slept with Bathsheba and, and was in adultery and then ends up killing her husband. And he gets angry, right? Let's go take care of this. Who's this guy? Because we're going to kill him. You're the guy. You're the guy. See, he's angry about what God's angry about, but he's not dealing with his own stuff. So before you get angry about what God's angry about, and before you start grabbing stones to start throwing at other people when they're in sin, you need to drop the stone and you need to deal with the things that God's angry about with you and your sin. The stuff that you think nobody knows about. But there is a point where we are to allowed to be angry. We are to be angry about the things that God's angry about. Think about how many people went and saw Sound of Freedom and they were angry. Angry. What'd you do about it? What'd you do about it? This is the problem with our, our followers of Christ today is that we struggle with p the passivity of our faith. We're very passive in our faith. Or we're either very progressive in our faith. And when we're progressive in our faith, we just accept everything as, as we can't change anything. This is how it's going to be. And you just got to go ahead and accept it. And they're going to be part of the church. And that's how it's going to be. No, you need to be angry about the things that God's angry about. You need to speak truth. He just told you in the, in the verses before this to speak truth. See, to be angry about the things that God's angry about requires action. And, 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 and I'm afraid where the United States is right now is a lot like where Jerusalem was. Or Judah was at that time. And in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Her uncleanliness was her in her skirts. She took not, uh, no thought of her future... Therefore, her fall was terrible. She had no comfort. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. What happens is they, they're taken into captivity. And this is America. America has no thought of its future. They're not thinking about their future. And they're not thinking that the, 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 the sexual morality that's been, you know, we had the, the 60s was a sexual revolution. Well, the second sexual revolution is sexual morality and it's pedophilia and it's being done in the schools today because you're allowing them to talk to your children about what sex they are. Does that not make you angry? That, that, that they're, they spend 30 minutes with somebody and they go, okay, yeah, you're transgender. You need to be put on medications. Let's go get you started on the surgeries. And that's what's happening. And now they're trying to say, well, you know what? The parents don't need to know. And if the parents do know in California, if the parents, uh, guess what? If you don't agree with it, we'll take your kids. 
Does that not make you angry? Does it not make you angry that they, they approved a law that where they can kill a child 20, up to 30 days after the birth of the child? In California, they're looking at doing that. So if some person shakes their, their child to death, they won't be charged. If it's within the first month. Makes no sense. Should it anger you? It does me. And it does a lot of other pastors that I know. John Randall went to the house in California and spoke with Jack Hibbs. But when pastors are being very passive, what do you expect from the sheep? See, we are to be angry about the things that God's angry about. I was telling Miss Donna this morning, I was listening to Licensed to Parent this morning. And the lady was talking about how they did a Barner survey. And they had like five things listed. Because they're talking about the struggles of pornography with these kids at six years old. Six years old. They used to have filters. They used to do things, but they allowed those laws to, to be disbanded. They ran out. And guess what? Our Congress, our Senate, never went back in to fix those laws. We used to have things that would prevent it. But we're not thinking about our future. Right? We're not thinking about our future. But they did this survey, and they had all these things listed. And they asked, what is, what is immoral? What do you consider immoral? Do you know what that means? And they had these kids, I forget what the age group, but I know it went all the way up to 13. And on the list was pornography. On the list was uh, recycling, not recycling, watching pornography. And you know what the number one thing was? It's, it's immoral to not recycle. That's what the kids have learned. They don't see pornography as an issue today. And it's a major issue. But these are the things like if it goes, we see what sexual morality is in, in, the, in the Gospels. We read it in the Old Testament. And we have gay pastors now that are trying to say, well, that word was added in 1946. The word that's there in the Greek still means a man laying with a man. To know. Yada. It's wrong. It's, it's, you are to be angry about those things. It goes against God's word. Now, for us as believers in Christ, we are to, to hate the things that God hates. In Psalm 97, verse 10, it says, You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Thank you, Michael. Do you hate evil? Do you hate evil? Like, does that not upset you? But how many of us, like I said, went to go see Sound of Freedom and we did nothing? We told somebody about it. Did you call your senator? Did you call your congressman? Did you tell them that this is an issue that you want addressed? Because did you know that your, your government is complicit in this? It was, it was testified at, at the Capitol that they don't know where half these kids are at. That we're, we're involved in human and sex trafficking. Our government's complicit in it. Are you thinking about the future of America? Right? Because guess what? When they were taken into captivity, they weren't thinking about it either. They were only enjoying their sin. And you know what the crazy part was? In Judah, they were dealing with sexual sin. False gods. That's what they were worshiping. And that's the same thing we see happening in our world today. Especially in America. We are to hate the things that God hates. And we are to, uh, to be angry about the things that God's angry about. In Proverbs 13, 5, it says, A righteous man hates lying, 
But a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. We talked about that last week. Do you hate lying? Right? What about backbiting? In Proverbs 25, verses 23, the north wind brings forth the rain and backbiting tongue and angry countenance. And that word countenance just means it causes your face to fall. You can see the expression on the face. Do you get angry when somebody tries to gossip with you and they're backbiting? Do you tell them, wait a minute, you have a problem with who? Come on, let's go talk to that person and let's sit down and let's work this out. Do you actually stop them? Because that's what the things that God is saying, like it, what Paul is getting at it, these things destroy a church. When we're angry at each other and we, we think that we have righteous anger, I'm allowed to yell at you. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. As a Christian, you shouldn't be. You should be speaking truth with love because yelling is not love. And then when you... And this is very important. I want to make sure we get this. So if, if, if there's ever an issue in this church and you go to what, what should happen first and what any, either Reuben or myself are going to tell you is that, hey, you need to go talk to the person one-on-one first. That's what we're going to ask you to do first because that's what Scripture says. And they go, well, you know what? Nothing happened. Then I'm going to say, okay, well, you need to go talk to the person and somebody's going to go with you. And if that doesn't happen, then that's when we get involved, either Reuben or myself. But when we're asked to be involved, and this is very important, I want to make sure you get this. When you ask for a mediator in the church, that means you no longer talk to the other party until you meet with the mediator. There should be no texts. There should be no gossiping and backbiting and going from person to person and telling your story and trying to get people to be on your side. You keep that stuff close to the best. And guess what? Reuben or myself will schedule the meeting and then we'll let that person know and we'll let that person know or we'll let that couple know and we'll let that couple know this is when we're going to meet. And I don't expect any texts or any phone calls to happen in between that. Because what happens is you start texting or when you when are you going to meet? Well, let's meet. I can't meet then. And the next thing you know, you start throwing scripture at the person. And most of the time you start throwing scripture out of context, just FYI, because you're angry. Or what happens with a lot of people is they don't even want to meet. They just leave the church. They get upset and they just they're gone. Um, and just this is just an FYI, another one. This is a sidebar. If you ask to reconcile with the person, that doesn't mean that you're still going around talking about the person and the situation. Now, leadership, we have to talk about it because we have to know what we're praying about. We, and a lot of times when we're asking for time, we're doing that because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to soften hearts. And hopefully by the time when we get there, God can do the work that needs to be done. And you know whose side that me and Reuben are on? God's. Reuben's not on any side, and I'm not on any side but God's. So don't think because you're in leadership or you're serving that we're going to just go, okay, well, you're serving, so you're right. That's not how that works. If you're in sin, we're going to call you out and let you know, hey, that's a sin. But if you leave a church and you start going from person to person to another church, and then you go to their leadership and you ask for a meeting 
Uh, did you really want reconciliation because you were still gossiping about the person before you ever got to the leadership? You need to stop. The whole point, you don't have to defend yourself. You have God. You let God defend yourself. And you know what? Most of the times and any time when you have a disagreement or backbiting that's happening, there's something for you to learn in it that you can learn in it. You know, maybe I should have stopped this earlier. Maybe I should have corrected the person a little sooner and let them know, hey, I know that's how you joke, but I don't, I don't appreciate the jokes that way. I love you, brother, but I, you know, hey, if you could not do that with me. But if you allow it to go on for a year, and then now you get upset, it's like you could have addressed it sooner, and God shows you that, and it's like, so address it sooner. And this is what we're talking about. It's like when we talk about backbiting, it causes great church hurt. And people have been hurt. That's why there's a word called church hurt. It's unfortunate. And so what we want to do is we want to we try to, again, get the person together, be angry. We're angry at the sin, and we want to deal with the sin, or we want to deal with the conflict. We don't want it to cause division. Because what it'll do is it'll split a church. Because guess what? There's two parties. There's two sides. And people start picking sides because you've gone to people and now everybody's talking about it and now it's become this big thing. And I've been in a, the church I came from is a lot bigger so I know how this works. I, I have been a mediator for many of those discussions and I have told them do not call the other person, do not text the other person. I have been in the meeting and the person doesn't show up because man they sent me this text and they called me, they wouldn't stop calling me, they sent me this verse, they just kept at me. And so I'm not meeting with them. I was like, dude, why did you text the person? I told you not to. But that's what we do. Because we want to be right. Is it about being right in your flesh or about being right with God? So we are to be angry at sin. And remember, righteous anger, is, it's, with, it's done because God's love that happens in your heart, you're motivated by love. For the things that God loves and you're motivated by things that God hates, you're, you're allowed to step out and speak up when evil is apparent. If you see something that's wrong, you should say something. If it was one of your children, wouldn't you say something? Hey, how, uh-uh. I had somebody put my kid in a headlock one time. Because he put his wall, he got, did like this, and was sitting like this, and had his foot on the wall. And grabbed my kid and tried to bring the kid to my wife. My wife almost <laughs> hard. Hey, people were sinners. Was it wrong? Oh, yeah. We had to have a talk. We had to deal with it. But we had to deal with it then. It, it's, that's just how people are sometimes. They don't know how to act. Or they're brand new to faith. And they're learning. And so we have to show grace, we have to show mercy, but we do need to speak up with truth when something's wrong. But if somebody grabbed your child, wouldn't you say, hey, wait a minute, come here. We need to go talk outside. <laughs> Let's just talk. Hey, bro, can you please never put your hands on my child or never correct my child, right? Just come tell me they're acting up and I'll take care of it. That's how it is for some parents, right? But you have to speak up. And we would do that for our kids, but would we do that out in public when something's wrong? Would we do that when something's wrong in America? Will we speak up and speak out in truth and love? Righteous anger. 
Righteous anger has to be motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it can be used in a very constructive manner. In Psalm 31 verse 1 it says, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. When you're in sinful anger, you can't control your mouth. But when you're in righteous anger, you can control what you need to say. You can sit quietly and listen. You can have your mouth muzzled. And when it's time to speak, and God gives you the words to the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say what needs to be said because you are doing it righteously and God's, and God's there. He'll give you the words to say. And you go, wait a minute. We never talk about how you can be angry in the church. You can be angry about the things that God's angry about. And you can, you can sit and muzzle your mouth and listen. And then when it's time to speak, God will give you the words to say. And you say it. Do you want to use anger as a way that God commands us to use it? In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8, it says, The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. See, if you're, if you're receiving God's commands, you're actually doing what God's called you to do. You can have righteous anger because you're doing it and speaking truth and love. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit and you're commanded by God to do it. That means the Holy Spirit's giving you like. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 